Thank you, Matt. Let us pray. Holy and gracious Father, you are the door. Your Christ, your Son, is the door. The door to you. A door that is open for all. A door that's meant to protect. A door that's, that's meant to, to allow us freedom. Great freedom and joy. Gracious Father, let us hear your word this morning. Let us understand that it is your will and your desire that we might have life. Gracious Father, we live in a time and, and we're sinners and we, we doubt all the promises that you speak to us. We have fear, even though we, we speak of not having fear, we do have fear and we speak of not having doubt, but we do have doubt. Thank God that you are greater than our, do- our doubt, greater than our fear, and that you are constantly calling us, speaking a word of promise to settle us, to restore us, to guide us. Speak your word now, we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. In our reading for today from John 10, Jesus calls himself the door. Is this good news or bad news? (laughs) I guess it matters what kind of door Jesus is. I think for most of us, when we think of Jesus as a door, we think that Jesus is a closed door. Most people in this world think that, that Jesus closes the door to eternity. They might even quote John 14, 6 that says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. They use that verse to say that, that you better trust in Jesus because the doorway is narrow. You better trust in him to be saved or else you'll be condemned. Now, there's many problems with talking like this. First, it's not very winsome. Could you imagine proposing to someone this way? You better marry me or your life's going to be terrible. It just wouldn't work. I think using that kind of language isn't winsome. It probably scares more people out of the kingdom than brings them in. But even more, Jesus does not come to condemn the world. And this is what's important here. The world is already condemned. Jesus doesn't close down the door on humanity. Humanity has closed the door to God. Jesus comes to open a door that otherwise would remain shut. Listen again to 14.6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. How many people come to the Father? No one comes to the Father. The doorway is shut. Except, means there might be a possibility here, except through me. In other words, where there is no door, no one comes to the Father, Jesus is willing to become the door. Jesus is willing to open up a door that otherwise would not exist. Now, I want to illustrate this in the following way. When I was in high school, I'd often visit my friend's house, and we'd spend the night, you know, high school guys hang out. And his room was the darkest room I'd ever been in my life. At night, you wouldn't know where the door is, even if, if you knew, I mean, it was just terrible. To, it was so difficult to find where the door is. And one night, I woke up in the middle of the night, I had to go to the restroom, and I was disorientated. And I had no idea where the door was. And I remember, I didn't have any point of reference, it was middle of the night, and I started banging into the wall, banging into the wall. I'm feeling where the wall is, and I'm trying to feel for the door, and I just keep knocking over things. And finally, as I'm 
just frustrated, and I have no idea where the door is. I just sort of whimpered. Chris, where's the door? I have to go to the bathroom. Of quick, he opened up. He opened the door, and I realized that my back was to the door. I had no idea where the door was. I was completely lost. Now, I share this with you because, because had Chris not opened the door, well, something terrible would have happened. <laughs> I didn't write that. I, I don't know why that pops in. I needed the door, and I needed the door opened. Now, this is important because when we say Jesus is the door, he's not a door to shut down the exit to keep people out. No, humanity is stuck in a dark world. Humanity has no idea how to get to God. And so Jesus has to be the door that is opened so that light would flood into this dark world so that we would know the way out. That's the kind of door Jesus is. And the question for us this morning then is, is if that's the kind of door he is, then why are so few people actually willing to go through that door? Why do so many people reject that door? Why do people don't want that door? And I think there are many reasons for this. The, The big reason is sin, of course. But sin manifests itself in many ways. It manifests itself in false religion, false pride, false ideas, false security, false doubt. Sin manifests itself in many ways, but as it relates to our passage today, sin also manifests itself by causing people to get in the way of others coming through the door. In fact, in John 10, Jesus is, is speaking about those religious leaders who make terrible doors, who, who get in the way of others actually going through the door. In fact, in John 9, the previous chapter, remember the story? The man was born blind. Jesus healed him. The man went to the synagogue and said, Jesus healed me. Did the synagogue say, wow, Jesus is a great worker, miracle worker? No, what did they do? Do you remember? They kicked him out. And then later in John 10, after these words, the religious leaders decide that Jesus must be demon-possessed, and they try to kill him. Okay, This is important because these are the religious leaders. These are the people who should get Jesus. These are the people who know the scriptures. These are the people who've studied hard. These are the people who should guide people to Jesus. But instead, when Jesus is right before them, they reject him. They deny him. They kick out those people touched by Jesus, and then they try to kill Jesus. They should get it, but they don't. Instead, they bar the the way for people to get to Jesus. No wonder Jesus calls them thieves and robbers. You should listen to what Martin Luther called religious leaders. He calls them manure. (laughs) He said that if you pile them up, they stink to high heaven. So don't pile them up. Spread them out. In fact, this should make sense to all of us. Religious leaders make terrible doors because we, we put these sinners and we thrust them into positions where they are considered experts. And think about the ark. It was amateurs who built the ark, whereas it was experts who built the Titanic. <laughs> or you can think of it this way. If you give power to a sinner, he will be a powerful sinner. I mean, that's what happens. 
We thrust these sinners and we put them in positions of authority, lift them up, and then we're, we're amazed when they actually abuse their positions and they get in the way. They don't help people to the Father. They get in the way to the Father. And this isn't new. It's, 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 it's not new for us today. It's always happened. In Ezekiel 34, and I want to read this to you just because the prophet writes from God speaking about how terrible religious leaders are. And I know as I'm saying that, I'm a religious leader, so I know this is always terrible thought, but I want to read to you Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourself with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep, God says, wandered over all the mountains, on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd, and so has been plundered, and has become food for all the wild animals, and because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds, and I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that, they shepherds, so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock with their mouths, from their mouths, and I will no longer... And it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays, I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I, the sovereign Lord says, will shepherd the flock with justice. Those are strong words from God Almighty. If anyone ever considers being a pastor, <laughs> you better read this chapter first. Because God cares for the sheep. And when shepherds do a bad job, 
God turns against them. And God will come down and shepherd them himself. The reason religious leaders, religious leaders make terrible doors, they always have, and they always will. And so pray for pastors, please pray for me. Because what happens, even good pastors turn rotten. And so pray for this pastor and pray for all the pastors on TV. I mean, some of them I go, oh, dear God, I wish God would just snuff them out. I, I confess that. But instead, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for all pastors. Pray that they be good shepherds. And when they're not, pray that they repent. Because it's important. Shepherds make terrible doors. Now, that's the first point. The second one is sheep's also, sheep also makes terrible doors as well. And before we pick on pastors too much, we have to look at ourselves. Um, we're not very good doors either. How many times have, have we failed to share the gospel to our neighbors? How many times have we been critical or overcritical of our neighbors? And if you have neighbors like me, mine, and, and I have a good neighbor, John and Leona, these are the good neighbors at the end of the street. But the rest in the whole neighborhood, I've always thought about that. The rest have restraining orders against each other, and they're, they're picking on each other, and the cops are coming down there. And it's easy to be judgmental of them. And so for three years, I've been judgmental of them, and I haven't gone out and shared them the gospel. I've shared a little bit, but not a lot. I mean, we're terrible doors. We don't do a good job of that. In fact, Stephen Brown tells a story about how, how he went and got his car washed. And as he was driving through the car wash, an attendant started yelling at him. Now, Brown is never shy, and he rolled down his window and yelled back at the attendant. Well, he realized that the attendant wasn't actually yelling at him. The attendant was simply saying, move to the right so you can go through the car wash. Now, as he heard that and he realized he was wrong, he wanted to apologize, but he had to keep driving, so he rolled up his window, drove through. Instead of stopping, he drove back to his house. But when he got there, he realized he had a bumper sticker on the back of his car that read, that read smile, God loves you. <laughs> Brown says he took the bumper sticker off right then and there. And they said if he was ever to put another bumper sticker on the back of his car, it would say, sorry, I belong to Jesus and he loves me anyway. I like that. Like religious leaders, we make terrible doors as well. And so in our reading from John, we hear the most amazing news. We hear that, that religious leaders aren't the door. And we hear that the sheep are not the door. No, there is only one door, and that door is Jesus Christ. In our reading, we also learn what kind of door he is. First, we learn that he's a security door for the sheep. Listen to verses 11 through 13. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. In other words, Jesus is willing to lay at the entrance of the sheepfold. And you have to understand, they didn't have fences back then. You'd find a ravine where you could push the sheep in, and there the shepherd would lay at the mouth of the ravine. He'd lay his life down right there, so that if a lion came, 
he could fight him, or a wolf came, you'd have to go through the sheep. Now, a hired man has no interest in the sheep. The hired man cares strictly for himself. He, he gets a paid, he gets his wage, and he doesn't want to risk his life for the sheep. But the good shepherd loves the sheep. He knows them by name. He, he calls them. They know his voice. He cares for them. And so he's willing to fight for them and to protect them. Now, parents, all parents can understand this because think about your own children. Think about how you would lay in harm's way for them. It's because you're invested in them. It's because they're your little ones. You gave them their name. You have loved them. And when they're sick in the middle of the night, you held them, their tiny little bodies. You, you love them dearly. In the same way, that's how Jesus the Good Shepherd is. He loves those sheep. He's willing to lay in harm's way to fight for those sheep, to protect those sheep. And he wants the sheep to know that he's willing to stand in harm's way for them. In fact, Abigail, every night we, we do our prayers and we sing our hymn. And, and then I say, Abigail, you have nothing to be afraid of. And then she goes, I know. And she goes, because Jesus protects me. And mommy and daddy protect me as well. She knows. Doesn't keep her from crying about 10 minutes later, but she does know. It, it, <laughs> I mean, it's just how kids are. But that's what Jesus is saying, the Good Shepherd. Sheep, know that you have a Good Shepherd. He lays in harm's way for you to protect you, to love you, to guide you, because you mean that much to Him. You mean that much to Him. So Jesus is the security door. Second, Jesus is the entrance, is an entrance door. If other sheep come to him, he is always willing to let them in. Listen to verse 9. Anyone who enters by me will be saved. Isn't that word anyone fantastic? It means anyone. Not just some, not just the handsome or the smart or the rich. Anyone. Anyone who enters through him will be saved. Anyone. Everyone. Jesus doesn't narrow the door. He opens the door and he says, come through me, anyone, everyone, because I want to let you in. I'm the entrance. Come. Now, how can Jesus do that? How can he be so inviting? Well, it's because he's God and he has love for the world. But even more, it's because he laid down his life for the sheep so that we can enter in. Hebrews 10 tells us, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unservingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. So Jesus says, anyone, everyone, doesn't matter who you are, come through me. What a wonderful entrance door. And finally, Jesus is then not only a security door, an entrance door, but a door that's willing to open. And he's willing to open so that the sheep can go out and play and graze in the pasture. Talk about true freedom. Why would you be willing to go out of the sheep pan to eat? 
because you would know that the shepherd's there with his rod and staff to comfort you. You know that he will fight the enemy for you, that he will protect you until you have freedom, true freedom to sing and dance and love and to do your vocations because he wants you to have life, life abundantly. John 10.10. In fact, that's what his whole mission was about, was to give such life. John 1.4, in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, John 10.10, or John 20.31. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. What kind of door is Jesus? He's a great door. He's a, door, he's a fantastic door. He will provide you your security, and he provides access for everyone, and he opens up so you can praise. That's the kind of door he is. And praise God that Jesus is the door. And praise God that we are not. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen.